happy, happy Tuesday, or whichever day you're listening to this. For this week's podcast, I talked to the very talented James Park. He's actually a food writer like me, a content and recipe creator, and most recently a cookbook author with his most recent launch being Chili Crisp, 50 plus recipes to satisfy your spicy, crunchy, garlicky cravings. I just want to say thank you to everyone who has been listening thus far. I may have only launched in July, but this episode really reminded me why I started this journey in the first place. James came to America from Korea, and his story was a bit of an emotional one, but also completely gratifying, and I really just appreciated that he shared his life with me, and these are the type of conversations I enjoy the most. It's the ones where we can get into the thick of it all, and I can learn from people who have had such incredible and different experiences than me, and I could really dive into different cultures. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and I hope it resonates with you. So please welcome James Park. Thank you for coming on. I'm excited to meet you. Yeah, I'm so happy that this is actually the very first podcast recording that I'm doing about the cookbook. So thank you so much for, you know, letting me talk about children and all things fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm so honored. That's so exciting. Yeah. I, um, you're actually the first person that I'm talking to that I haven't spoken to before or interviewed before. So I'm starting from ground zero. I'm learning about your background, yeah, everything. Oh my God, let's, let's get to know each other. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you're a recipe creator, social media personality, but you're also a food writer. Yes. I'm a food writer too, if you didn't know that. Oh, amazing. Tell me, well, okay, what kind of like a recipes or food stuff do you write? Okay, so I started... I looked into your background because we need to talk about something too. You started Ooh, okay. with Spoon University. Yeah. Did you start with Spoon University too? I did. Oh my God. That's amazing. I did. I, I didn't found the one. I went to University of Connecticut, so I didn't found the one. One of my friends did. Mm-hmm. But I basically, that's kind of how I launched my career and that's how I got yeah. into writing and I was the marketing director for it and then became the president when I was a junior. Uh-huh. So I don't really remember the details. Yeah. And then I got a job out of college and I've been in the food and beverage scene ever since. Wow. That's Great. literally me. <laughs> also, uh, so I founded my chapter because I went to a business school. Uh, so I went to Pace University and originally my major was Uh, arts and entertainment management so I thought I came to New York City thinking that I will get into like Broadway business or like a Disney more about like I didn't really think about food as a option for a career Mm -hmm. and then I really that that was the beginning of like BuzzFeed videos were taking off and like some sort of a word like food media was thrown around and like what is that food tech uh I finally felt like there was some sort of an opportunity for me to really pursue my love for food and cooking in a more professional way. And that's when I found out about Spoon University. I did the whole marketing campaign about getting signatures from people. And that is really how I launched my career in food. And that's also how I got my, you know, first uh, internship at Food Network as a part of that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's how I got my first internship too with um, Yeah. Yeah, and then I was doing it yeah, yeah. for a spoon, you. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting because I've never actually met someone outside of my club that has done oh my that. God. Yeah, so funny is that as a part of all this, like a cookbook media mentions, I think Spoon Universe also had ups and downs and like a different journey of its own course. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they are running a few of my recipes from the cookbook on SpoonUniversity.com as well. So I was like telling my uh, PR person that like, you know, oh, like um, this is kind of a full circle moment for me because the whole food career really started as me, you know, founding a chapter at Spoon University. So 
it's it's really fun moment of like looking back I'm like oh remember I try so hard for that <laughs> yeah it's so amazing yeah. when it for a circle and you could just be proud of yourself and so for sure yeah so, yeah so you created cooking my feelings while in college so yes you went to international culinary center after college did you mm -hmm. always know that culinary school was the path right after graduation so it's a very interesting story because my business school offered this very unique partnership where i could get credits for certain courses for the hospitality management program while enrolled at culinary school so at the time i was like heavy on like you know this it sounds very like funny but quantitative analysis major or whatever i don't even know what that was entail i just heard that the starting salary was high for that major i was like oh i want to make money and yeah. then that was before like i knew about like food and such i've always wanted to go to culinary school but i never really thought that was a possibility and then when i saw that i could go there like almost like with the same price that I would pay for my semester in college. I basically talked to all the professor. I was like, I, I was begging everyone that like, I have to do this. This is like meant mm -hmm. for me. Like, please make this happen. So instead of uh, going to college in my last semester, I went to culinary school and hands down still that year is my best year in my life. Uh, hopefully it'll be, you know, better years to come uh, <laughs> with this cookbook. But it was such a great year because um, uh, that's when I really felt like, oh, wow, this really brings me so much happiness and joy that like in a way that I didn't really know it could. And being in an environment where everyone really loves what they're doing and like absorbing and learning from professionals and chefs. It was like a Disney world for me. You know, I think culinary school mm -hmm. kind of has this like rep of it's very tough and like it's very like you know, like chef instructors are like screaming at you and such. And there are definitely moments like that, but in a way that you are learning something that you want to know and like everything is set up for you so that you can learn and cook and everything. And it's such a great experience if you don't have to pay a lot. I don't think you have to pay a lot to go there if you're interested in like becoming a chef as a profession. I don't think spending a lot of money for culinary school is the right way, but it was a perfect experience for me because it kind of gave me a type of um, information and knowledge to really have a conversation with chefs and to understand what's going on behind the kitchen and just gave me a lot of context as I continue my career in food. That's interesting that you brought up the mean chef stereotype of the culinary industry, because I actually just talked to someone on my podcast a few weeks ago who was saying that that was a stereotype that wasn't necessarily true either, but she did experience it herself. So mm -hmm. I'm curious if that aided your learning or it kind of pushed you and motivated you to do better and learn more about the industry. Yeah, I mean, I am very much of like bubbly, you know, mm -hmm. a positive person, no matter what environments I'm in. So I think a lot of chef instructors were like, fascinated by like, who is this like, you know, constantly, you know, happy, smiling person. So I think I didn't have a lot of experience of like them like being mean to me, but it was more like being playful. Uh, but I do remember there was a class, uh, there was one course where I had to make mayonnaise from scratch uh, from by hand. And while everyone was like advancing to another sauce, like it was just not coming together in a way that like chef instructor was like literally like, James, what are you doing? Like, I think he was more dramatic. And like, obviously I gave the reaction that he wanted but like that day still haunts me to this day because it was like oh my god I can't do that and I think was, I never fully experienced like the restaurant kitchen world uh, because I knew right. that with my type of a personality and knowing what type of a kitchen culture exists I felt like me going there even though it would be a very very valuable experience I think it would kind of hurt my pure 
enthusiasm and joy for like cooking uh, because mm-hmm. restaurant kitchen is like a whole new different world that I think they're there to operate and orchestrate in their own version in a way that it's different from like home kitchen or like culinary school so thankfully I never really experienced like any sort of a toxic you know like behind the uh, scene kitchen because I knew that if I were to expose myself I wouldn't have a good time so there was a lot of pressure from a culinary school like you have to do an externship at the kitchen uh, but I kept pushing no <laughs> I will I will have an externship at like a food media company like that's not what I'm here for and like I, I think I'm definitely learning skills from like doing pop-ups and like I love doing you know, like more of a restaurant-y operation kind of experience. But I am kind of glad that I never fully went through the whole kitchen culture. Maybe it could be better. Who knows? I think a lot has changed. And I might be speaking from not fully experiencing, but I kind of knew what I would survive, what kind of environment I would survive. And I just didn't, I wanted to protect myself almost from being hurt <laughs> in a way. That's good that you recognize that so early on and we're so self-aware. Not a lot of people yeah. are able to do that and then they experience it and go, oh, crap, I actually don't want to do this path at all. So you really went down the right path for yourself. But I got called out a lot from people at the culinary school. They were like, what do you mean you're not going to experience restaurant kitchen? Like as a part of, you know, the whole culinary school student, you have to experience that. And it was kind of rough for me to keep pushing back to them of like, I get that it's very valuable experience, but like, that's not what I'm here for. (laughs) Like I knew what I got myself into and like I knew how I wanted to use my experience being a culinary school student for my career. So I hope I more culinary schools are welcoming those kind of people who are there for different experiences than like people who want to, you know, operate and like open their own restaurants or become a restaurant chef. Right, right. Yeah. More learning than mm-hmm. than anything. It's kind of similar with law school or something like that. Not Mm -hmm. everyone goes to law school to become a lawyer, but they often do it to learn about constitutional law or political science or whatever it is. Um, And it's just one of those extra certifications, if you will, to become more expert in your field. Totally. And then you worked at Eater for over four years. So now you're a video producer for The Kitchen. Yeah. But before... Before all of that, you were born in Korea. You grew up yeah. in Alabama. I know. What did, <laughs> in my research, what did food look like for you growing up? Well, for me, a lot of food memories growing up in Korea were eating out. Both of my parents were working. So I always envy my friends who had a housewife kind of a mom I always wanted my mom to like cook for me or like kind of make some sort of afternoon snacks and like I think I was really looking for the type of like typical nurturing mom who would like show me how to cook who would like welcome me in her kitchen of like teaching me how to make certain things but I didn't have any of those a lot of memories were just like me watching TV, <laughs> like uh, like watching like a QVC equivalent in Korea. And like, oh my God, like, oh my God, the food looks so good. And like, I asked for food processor and juicer for my like seventh year uh, birthday present <laughs> instead of like toys. So like, I think a lot of those kind of came from just like this, like me wanting to eat better because mostly I was on my own. Uh, I could easily just like order or like, um, you know, fried chicken or eat ramen, but I wanted to cook something. I wanted to play, you know, and come up with like how I could eat in my own kitchen. So um, a lot of like early memories of like food in Korea are just like me trying to make like a sandwich for the first time, me trying to uh, make like kimchi soup for the first time and 
I kind of gather all my food knowledge by like going to my friend's place and like watching my friend's mom cook for me and such. And then I came to America and my role of like moms have changed because I didn't come here with my family. So I had like different guardians who would like take care of me and who would cook for me. And I think that's when I really started like gathering more information about like home cooking because they were kind of stay at mom and like cook for me a lot of different food. And like the first place that I came to America was Texas, but I stay with Korean people. uh, So they made me Korean food and like that kind of gave me a glimpse of like what Korean home cooking was like. And then what uh, my American home cooking really became, I, I got exposed to that when I now like met my unofficial adoptive family. Okay. So that's kind of how I came to Alabama. And like, then I was just exposed to all kinds of like American Southern food that really became a part of like my, you know, fond memories of eating in America. At what age did you leave Korea? So I came to America when I was 13. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you were kind of a teenager when you were learning all of this. Yeah, I was, like, absorbing the language. I was absorbing the culture. It was just a lot of new things. I think at the time, I did not expect that decision to visit America to turn into this over-decade-long life that I've built in America. Uh, I don't think anyone, including myself, my parents, knew this would be a possibility. But it happened, and honestly, every time I, like, introduce myself to new people like you and, like, talk about my life story, I'm like, how did I, like, go through all of this at that time? I'm like, I don't know whether I could do that if I were to go back and, like, just moving to different families and, like, you know, just having to, like, stand up for myself in this country where I felt extremely lonely in a way and like you know that's like your peak puberty in a way so like I think I wanted sometimes feel that safety of like my own family but even though like different guardians and my family you know they really provided love and like this home for me I think it took a long time for me to really even accept my American family as a family because I had this mindset of like I have to stand out for myself and like they're not my family so like there's like a really cute story of like I call my American mom princess uh, because I felt yeah I felt weird to call her by like the last name but I also felt weird to call her mom (laughs) so let's came up let's come up with some cute nicknames so princess like really sat down with me like you you are a part of my family now you have to act like one uh you need to let me know what's happening and like she really just like kind of made me realize I am her family you know this is not just like I'm here and they're taking care of me in exchange of like anything and I think that's when the shift of like me feeling like I have home I have family in mm-hmm. this country that I felt like I was alone for a long time and I still go back to Alabama and stay with them and like it, it, it's really nice to have like a family that I can really trust and I can feel comfortable in America. That's incredibly sweet. Do you feel like that family has aided your confidence in doing food media and going to college and aiding your creative side absolutely i think without my american family support and love i probably wouldn't be where i am right now because there's a lot of cultural you know differences that i just could not explain to my korean parents and they don't know certain things in a way why this is important why this accomplish means a lot and I can't really translate the weight of certain things that I did in America and it was they made me feel like I could be who I am and 
they made me feel like I could really achieve everything that I wanted in a way. And I always felt their support. Um, yeah, like not try to get like, I, I think just like a wave of like emotion just hit me in a way that, yeah, um, you know, this book is like dedicated to them in a way that a lot of um, things that I've done in America wouldn't really come true without like them believing in me and like really just like loving me the way I am. That's yeah. so beautiful. You're gonna be- I know I'm like trying not to cry because I, I I don't know like they're as like I'm talking about the book and such so much of like their love and their encouragement has like made me believe that I can do certain things in America like writing a book I would never imagine that to be a thing but you know them like congratulating me and like being happy for me and just having the support system means so much to me and I'm so happy that I can share all this like things I can share the flavors and food that I learned from New York and like bring it back to my home in Alabama I'm like guys like uh, let me make this for you I love cooking for them I expose them to uh, all sorts of Korean food and yeah food really just like was our love language in a way that still helped Mm -hmm. us stay connected and it's it's a love language for a lot of people even me and my family we have similar values and things like that but a support system is extremely vital especially in media it can be a little bit isolating in media because you're the only one that's creating it's kind of all on you um and you've I'm sure felt an immense amount of pressure coming to America and having that pressure of, I need to kind of succeed. Oh yeah. Cause I feel that. And you know, I've from Connecticut, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, um, there's this pressure to grind and grind and grind. And then when you finally have this outcome, like your cookbook, you have to take a step back and say, Holy shit. Yeah. Like I made it here and I couldn't have done it without the people that were around me and humbled me, but also taught me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of surreal in a way that I also found out that my cookbook would be available to be uh, available in Korea as well. Uh, So that was like a huge like news for me that kind of like, I, I just couldn't believe where my life is heading to. You know, like, yeah, it, it was why. Thank you so much. And, like, you know, the fact that my book would be available to be purchased in Korea, that, that means so much uh, in a way that, yeah, like, I, I'm just excited for what this cookbook can do for me in a way that at first um, I was a little bit concerned and insecure about writing a cookbook about a topic that I didn't necessarily grow up with. So I wanted to make sure that I'm representing the condiment in a way that, you know, that people who have a very strong personal connection still feel like, okay, like this person did a good job. Uh, and I wanted to come forefront about how I'm Korean immigrant and how Chili Chris like still kind of gave me this like comfort and like opened me up to a community of um, Asian friends that I kind of reserve and hesitated to be a part of a lot by like growing up in the South. So I didn't necessarily have a lot of like Asian friends or didn't grow up with a lot of Asian community slash culture that I think when I first came to America, my going back to the success thing, like I thought being assimilated to white culture and just like a, what you think of like typical America was my definition of success. So I intentionally avoided being a part of like Asian group of friends or I never talked to any sort of a few Korean people who were there. And it took a lot of years of unlearning of like how that mindset was wrong. And nowadays it's okay to Mm -hmm. celebrate your culture. It's okay to really, you know, lean toward of like 
your roots and what makes you who you are because America is a place where diversity is celebrated. And it's cheesy to say, mm-hmm. but it's so true in a way that like Chili Chris was like one of many vehicles that helped me feel accepted, it helped me reach out to uh, other Asian friends and helped me connect with them. And it was just one of the small things that helped me really empower who I am as an Asian person in America. I think that all goes back to how we define success in America, but also within ourselves. And I think that often has to do with status and money and a lot of value in the financial aspect of everything. But I also think that we, especially now that content creators and people like you who are creating cookbooks, that, that diversity and inclusion is just being celebrated more and more and we're basically just i mean like new york you're in basically right so there's little areas that people are visiting and we're so much more open to cultures than i think ever before but that's funny that you also brought up you felt pressure actually let me rephrase that because i saw in the book that you felt an immense amount of pressure to write about this ingredient, this chili crisp, because you didn't grow up with it on your table. So now that all kind of makes Mm -hmm. sense. Do you feel like the journey of creating this book changed that mindset for you? Yeah, I think my mindset toward chili crisp has changed compared to two years ago when I first got the opportunity to write the cookbook and where I am right now. Because at the time, that was before I even created my own recipe for chili crisp. And that was before, I mean, you know, it was like my hobby, you know, I love talking about it. I love trying different things, but I didn't quite have that like really strong personal connection of why me chili crisp. But now I feel like there's such a strong connection slash I can confidently say why I am the right person and talking about Chili Chris because that like it was almost like I was able to learn more about myself as a Korean immigrant in America through the lens of Chili Chris. Um, Chili Chris is not a condiment that like Korean people or Korean cuisine is even aware of, but I'm able to apply Korean flavors and like things that make me Korean and things like flavors that I enjoy in Korean dishes. And I fuse that to make my own chili crisp. And that gave me a new platform to talk about Korean food to my Korean friends and like really challenging the idea of like, hey, like, have you ever thought about adding chili crisp in your like Korean comfort food, like kimchi jjigae or like, you know soybean stew and like and there's like the the sparkle that I saw as I was like talking about this to my Korean friends and them tasting my Korean flavor for chili crisp and like them loving it like oh my god like this is like what I was missing and like I'm able to constantly bring it back to like my Korean story and Korean dishes and Uh, I'm like pitching this to all those Korean people in a way and like them finding this new uh, kind of like unlock the flavor of like things that they never thought about through the lens of Chili Crisp. And I I just feel like this is my mission to like share this flavors and like inclusion of this condiment to Korea. And they need to know more about this and they need to how you know there's like different fermentation paste in korean cuisine like gochujang and penjang and kanjang and this completely has like a opportunity to be a part of one of that and it just complements with so many things that they eat and i'm just like i hope through this cookbook more korean people pay attention to like oh like this can be applied to a lot of korean food that they like and now through this like cookbook journey and as i'm talking so much about it as i'm like sharing my own korean flavor chili crisp with everyone it it really becomes a part of me in a way that like without this i wouldn't be able to find the perfect way to share my story and like korean cuisine but now it's 2023 and like you know the cuisine evolves in a way that i am just so lucky that i'm in the right year in a way where i can like 
kind of bring the new light of Korean food and Korean culture through my chili crisp. And I'm really excited to see how this book can really like change a lot of people's perception. And hopefully in a few years, maybe Korea will have their own brands of chili crisp out there. Oh my gosh, you should try to do that for yourself. That would be insane. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big goal. And like when I first wrote about this cookbook two years ago, none of this was like planted inside of my head. But now it's like, wow, like, I think I feel like I'm onto something. And I think that moment really, that moment felt real with my very traditional Korean parents became obsessed with it. And there's a chapter in my cookbook about loss in translation, because I don't really know how to explain chili crisp to my Korean parents. Uh, And they don't know what that tastes like. Uh, You know, I was really envious of those who can like ask their parents or have some sort of a you know, uh, references that they can ask when they're stuck in like recipe. Yeah, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't create that connection as I was writing this cookbook with my Korean parents uh, or my American parents. None of them really knew what this tasted like. So when I went to Korea earlier this year and I brought the sample and I finally made them like this like chili crisp Korean feast for them. And when they like finally understood, wow, this is what you meant. And like, we love this. And it was just like, they kept saying that like, okay, James, you need to make more. Like I can't eat anything else. And they're showing me all their creative ways of eating it. I'm like, Mm -hmm okay, like, I, I want to spread and, like, share that joy of eating this chili crisp with as many people as possible in Korea, and, like, you know, maybe one cookbook at a time, but maybe this cookbook can open up more opportunities to really share that flavors with more people, and we'll see what happens. That's amazing. There's one tagline that you mentioned in your cookbook that really stuck out to me and kind of beautifully sums up what you just said and it was by your favorite chili crisp brand not traditional but personal and yeah it sounds like that really just sums up when you brought to the chili crisps to your parents and it became more of a personal dish that now you can share with the world and that's amazing and what you have too is such a niche because there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who have cookbooks out there, but they have an array of recipes and things, but right. very hard to come up with 50 plus ingredients for one specific recipe mm-hmm. or ingredient. Sorry. Swap. Yeah. 50 plus recipes for one specific ingredient. <laughs> Did you ever find that you ran out of inspiration? Honestly, it was hard for me to come down to under 50. <laughs> I feel like I could write the second book that has like 50 other plus recipes for chili crisp because at first I was like, there must be some sort of a block or like end of it in terms of being creative with chili crisp. But I had this like idea or kind of moment of like, uh, analogy and shower just like any other creative moments happen it's almost like butter you know mm-hmm. you can almost you can put that and savory sweet it's one of those ingredients that really enhance everything that you're eating uh so I think a lot of people just thought chili crisp as like okay you make the dish and like finish with like whatever and mm-hmm. maybe they reserve that uh for strictly Asian cuisine or just like maybe a little restricted in terms of where chili crisp could be used. But as I started like really thinking about how I can incorporate this into like Korean food, Mexican cuisine, uh, Vietnamese cuisine, just so many other cultures, mm-hmm. like there are just truly infinite numbers of ways using chili crisp. And it's like, it might be just a spicy condiment, but like, if you use it in different ways or it, depending on how you introduce that into a part of the recipe uh, step, uh, it can, you know, kind of work along with every other flavors and um, ingredients in a way that you will have a completely different experience versus like just final drizzle. You know, the flavors are not as like uh, aggressive 
but mm-hmm. it's still like beautifully mellowed and like complex way of like adding your home cooking and I don't know I feel like there are just so many more ways of using chili because in a way I hope this is just the beginning of like your own adventure in a way that I just hope that the cookbook inspires you to think so much outside of like how can I apply this into like my comfort food, like my culture? And I just hope that it pushes you out of that box and like truly cook with that in a boundary breaking ways. And that's what a cookbook's for. It's so people can stop being afraid of the kitchen and getting creative in it and kind of pushing those boundaries too. But can we do like a little chili crisp for dummies kind of thing? Say someone for sure. has no idea what it is. Yeah. Like- so I always say a chili crisp is a spicy, oily condiment that's like textured mm-hmm. and it goes along with everything that you put on. Uh, so think of it more like a hot sauce. Uh, depending on what type of brands you have, the spice level is different. Depending on what brands you have, the what's inside is also different. I think a lot of people immediately think all chili crisp must be super spicy, which is not the truth. When you go to Trader Joe's, I think one of the early exposure to chili crisps if you have never tasted would be the garlicky onion crunch or i forget Mm -hmm. the exact name but like there is a version yeah there's a version that's like more of a crisp forward and like crispy and like oily it's not spicy at all but there's a slight hint of like spice because of like paprika and you can finish that on top of salad or avocado toast whatever and i think what people are scared of is like oh like it's red and it's oily like and they don't really know how to quite use that but Mm -hmm. everyone knows how to use hot sauce or ketchup you know mayonnaise like it's just like anything else and I don't think there's any sort of like one way of using it and uh, what I really want to encourage is for people to taste as many different kinds of chili crisp. There is just one flavor or one kind of chili crisp. Maybe the one that you tried was too spicy, but that means you can try other brands uh, just to see what you like. And I almost say that, like, you know, you have to go through the dating phase of different kinds of chili crisp to find your ultimate the one and mm-hmm. there are so many different kinds of chili crisps out now and if you have felt like oh I tried this one and like it wasn't my thing then maybe try something else or the book really shows you how to customize and make your own or maybe make your own if you haven't found the one that you like so yeah chili crisps is just for everyone and you don't have to be scared of the spice you can make not spicy chili crisps mm-hmm. you know let's the possibilities are endless. You broke it down perfectly. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I was looking through your recipes too. Is there one that you're most looking forward to sharing? I saw the kimchi quesadilla with chili crisp looked phenomenal. And then yeah. the, toast, the whipped ricotta toast with spicy tomato confit too. That looked, yeah, those are my very, very good. Honestly, it's so funny because sometimes you kind of have to be your own biggest hype man. And <laughs> I wrote all of this, like, but I'm reading all those recipe titles when I first received my uh, copy. And I'm like, oh my God, like, this sounds so good. This sounds so good. I'm like, did I really <laughs> write all of this? Because I kind of forgot that I developed all of that. And I'm so happy that this book really captures all the dishes that make me so excited to cook and eat. And I think it really reflects like my background because there are so many Korean recipes and it's more of those not like traditional recipes per se, but it's a it's definitely something that people will be excited to eat. And if I have to like pick one of the recipes to really encourage people to make, I think it should start with simple like chili crisp fried eggs. It's the very first recipe on the cookbook. And it's probably the video that I've shared hundreds of times. And every time I make it, there's a new person who's like, oh, I never thought about it. So it's never enough mention. Um, but I think that is the first recipe or cooking with chili crisp that really changed 
the way that I think of chili crisp because frying eggs in chili crisp tastes so different from you just fry eggs and like finish with chili crisp. And mm-hmm. it's just the complexity and the warmth and heat and flavors, textures that get stuck on the bottom of the eggs and like the yolk. Like it's a whole experience of an egg that I never thought that I could really experience with chili crisp. So if you've never cooked with chili crisp before, I highly, highly recommend you to fry eggs and chili crisp and serve that over rice with a little bit of soy sauce, sesame seed, um, or a scallion. Just mix it around. It takes like less than 10 minutes to make. And I probably eat that like three times a week and I would never get tired of eating that. That sounds delicious. That's like when, do you remember when pesto and eggs, fried eggs? Were yeah. Thing? That's kind of Just similar like with you sound better. <laughs> <laughs> I think pesto is also delicious, but what's very exciting about chili crisp fried egg is that you can really mix and match with everything. I recently shared, you know, like the feta fried eggs went viral a few days, a few weeks ago. So yes. I incorporated that with chili crisp and that was phenomenal. I'm sure fry or almost like a Christmas style of like pesto and chili crisp so that it's like green and red goodness. I feel like I should probably do that. That sounds delicious. Uh, so you can really like, incorporate chili crisp and however method of frying eggs that you prefer. I know you also post a lot of noodle recipes. Do you have a favorite go-to addition, either a sauce or ingredient for noodles? Uh, That is like chili crisp related or just noodles in general? Just noodles in general. Yeah. um, I think, okay, egg yolk is so underrated as like a noodle sauce. I think a lot of people get, like, scared of idea of, like, eating egg raw egg yolk. But mm-hmm. every time I make, like, pasta or, like, cold noodles or anything, I always finish with a yolk on top. And, like, when you, like, open, when you pop that yolk and, like, all that ooey gooey, like, rich yolk coats every stand of noodles, I just feel like it elevates any kinds of noodles to like to the next level and I I don't know like whether that is like noodle soup or like cold noodles or just regular pasta think of how rich and delicious carbonara is and you can basically create that carbonara effect on anything that you eat by topping it with egg yolk and I think it specifically goes well with like noodles in general so would that be while it's cooking or after you're using no after so it's like you so because while it's cooking it kind of gets cooked you are not really getting the taste of that rich yolk so let's say that you finish plating whether that's like a dry noodles or pasta and just like finish like put there make a little nest in the center and put egg yolk And then as you're eating it, like mix it around. And like as the yolk breaks down and like coats every strand of noodle, it just mm-hmm. it just adds that like the magical oomph that you can't really that you wouldn't be able to like pinpoint if you didn't know. But like that is that secret magical ingredient, in my opinion, that makes all the noodles much, much better than it would be before. All right. So now I have to make chili crisp fried eggs and noodles with an egg yolk oh yeah yeah i mean you know there's never (laughs) enough of yolks or eggs so what i (laughs) i just sounds so good and i have this like a chili crisp bucatini recipe that you do use a lot of uh chili crisp so you are basically making that like the carbonara thing uh, with like a, a lot of egg yolk and like cheese and chili crisp, it has this beautiful orange color. And uh, when mm-hmm. it's toss everything, you finish with egg yolk in the center. So you are just getting an explosion of that rich uh, egg yolk flavor. But because of the spice and the flavors of chili crisp, it doesn't get too rich. And it's like very balanced. You are getting like rich at first, but like a little bit of a heat at the end. It's like I will... Okay eat the whole thing in one seating. <laughs> That's my epic downfall is just eating everything in one sitting. You should yeah. have a noodle cooker next. 
Honestly, that would be fun. I I love noodles. I also it's so funny that so many people are asking, "How do you slurp noodles so well?" I'm like, I it's so <laughs> hard to like explain slurping skills to people because I think um, in Korea at least, like slurping is like a mm. sign of like, oh, you are enjoying this meal. Uh, but I think in America, maybe like making sound is like not considered as like. I don't know the table etiquette, so they're just like oh, eating it, but like you're not really getting the full noodle experience if you're not slurping it because, like, I don't know, like as the noodles get exposed to air and as you're like vacuuming to your mouth, it sounds so weird, but like you know, it kind of changes like the textures and like the whole noodle experience, a little bit of sauce around your mouth, and like. It's like you are not gonna get that if you just like four twirled and like, eat it. You know, I mean, you don't, you shouldn't slurp pasta, but um, at least when you're eating like Asian noodles, I think you should like try to slurp at least like try it, and then you will know that it's definitely a different experience. See, everyone's too proper here. They care too much about their appearance. No, no, no. We got to slurp the noodles and it's so fun. And, you know, practice makes it better. If you feel like you're really bad at slurping, just like practice at home. (laughs) I'm going to make that this podcast episode just (laughs) slurping. (laughs) I don't think that'll come off super well unless people listen. I know, I but yeah, I, you know, but slurping is very important and the overall experience of like enjoying the Asian noodles. And I think everyone should at least try, you know, just, just don't think too much about it and like try to slurp and like, it will be amazing. Yeah, it's all about the atmosphere. You gotta create the experience for yourself. Yeah. So speaking of eating things in one sitting, I saw on your website that you classify yourself as an emotional eater, but I wanted to kind of gauge how you define that for yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of people immediately conclude that to a negative thing because like eating my feelings, eating your feelings, I didn't know that. That was exactly my thought process. Yeah, it's like... (laughs) it's something bad or like something guilty. You should not do that. I'm like, Oh, like I ate my feelings. How ashamed should I be? But like, I really want to change the perception of like, you know, food and eating is so much related to celebration in a way that I always associate eating as like, Oh my God, like I'm having such a happy day. Uh, and eating this dish would make me even happier. Or, oh, I had a really bad day, so I'm going to eat this to make myself happy. And, like, I think a lot of, like, those emotions are related to food in a way that it eventually makes me feel better than before. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm always eating my happy feelings or excited, like, all kind of, like, positive things. So I... I even though sometimes I get a backlash of like, oh, you shouldn't really say those phrases, I hope to really uh, challenge that mindset of like, you know what, like, eating your feelings is not a bad thing, it should be celebrated, because like, I'm always eating my happy feelings in a way that like, after eating this dish, I feel so much better. And like, that's the power of food. That's the power of cooking Mm -hmm. and eating. And maybe we should really change the mindset about how we use eating your feelings phrases and I love with like so my internet friends are like I'm also eating my feelings too I'm like yeah let's keep eating our feelings together and like it's it's a celebratory act for me and I hope less people associate those words as something negative I like that a lot I think where the line is is when you're eating your feelings to a point where it becomes unhealthy for you and right. i think that's the negative connotation is coming out of but if you like to celebrate it and you do it in moderation say i have a bad day i'll do a scoop of ice cream i deserve that exactly. whatever it is yeah I think that's a wonderful way to turn it into a celebration of sorts instead of 
feeling the shame afterwards because yeah. that's something I've dealt with my whole life. Yeah. Sure. I mean, food should never be connected to shame or guilt or any of that i hate the whole idea of like oh my god i feel so guilty for eating this dessert or something and like aren't like food is food should be nurturing exciting makes you happy you know like there's nothing better than eating delicious thing to really celebrate uh so i don't know mm -hmm. why the whole society or culture in general puts so much you know negative mindset about eating and like i i understand that not everyone feels my level of joy and happiness from eating but so many people do and if you are one of those people who love eating who loves cooking or feeding all of that anything that's around food celebrate that and that's your way of eating your happy feelings yeah that makes complete sense and you do it in a way that you say he hey eat your feelings with me yes you know you're not alone you can do it with me and we're gonna do it together and you could do it with my cookbook you could do it with the recipes i post or you could just do it with your favorite things yeah you know so making that community i think absolutely helps people be more uplifting about it versus the negative thoughts that are normally associated with the phrase. Yeah, because what's so beautiful about me creating food content is that it allows me to share that pure joy with other people. Um, I think there are so many other creators who are finding their niche to share and spread their like joy and happiness and mine happens to be food, which is truly there's no border lines or cultural um, obstacles for that because whether we speak the same language or not we can acknowledge that oh my god that looks delicious and mm -hmm. I'm I feel very lucky that I'm able to build this community where people can feel my excitement where I can share my passion for certain things and I just want everyone to be happy and I feel like my mission uh, through whatever I do is just to bring you a smile because I just hope to bring that positivity and like energy and smile that will lift you up when you have a bad day. And, you know, when you have a bad day, if you just like happen to see a video of me slurping noodles, and if you think that's funny and makes you mm -hmm. smile, that's all I want to do for you. And I can see that passion through just talking to you mm -hmm. and you're going to be successful no matter what, because Thank you have you. that persona. You're welcome. You truly do have that persona and you're genuine. And when you have both those things and then the motivation and the drive to actually see it through, you're going to do well. Thank you and so you're much. Guaranteed success. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm really excited to see where, where your cookbook goes. And In addition to your cookbook, do you have anything else that's next for you? Do you have any upcoming projects or anything else you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I mean, my big upcoming project would be certainly making my chili crisp into a product. Uh, I think so many people have asked me, can I buy this? You know, what are you doing with that? Just like I mentioned about my grand mission of really sharing this with my motherland korea or just like korean people in general it's a little overwhelming to start not gonna lie because it's like truly starting from zero and especially doing consumer you know products it's like a whole new set of challenge so with this cookbook and hopefully more people are tasting this uh, i hope there's a right opportunity that lands me where i can really share this with more people uh through a product so yeah that is something that's in my mind so i'm waiting for the right opportunity to really tackle on that project and hopefully you know that dream will come true I think it will. I, I know a lot of creators who are pushing into the consumer space now, and it does take a while. And there's yeah. definitely a lot of ropes to learn, but it's definitely something that you can do, especially if you have a background and you have a goal. Um, you'll be able to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be a fun adventure. Yeah, that's that's the dream, and hopefully <laughs> it gets you know imported back to Korea. Like honestly, that that is like my 
big goal in a way that like once my Chula Crisp becomes an actual product that people can buy, I want uh, that to be a part of just like Korean food conversation. And it's really exciting that I'm able to find the connection between Chula Crisp and Korean cuisine that no one really has seen. And I really believe in that. And so many responses around from my Korean community has been so positive about that. So we'll see that maybe when you go to your favorite Korean restaurants, you will see Chili Chris on the side. Yay. But for now, you can bask in the glory of your cookbook. Because when this podcast comes out, it will be out for order. But right now, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. So. yeah, pre-order or it's always so fun to say uh, the book is available wherever the books are sold. <laughs> so that's it kind of gives me a thrill of like, oh my God, like finally the day that I can say is like coming very, very soon. So yeah, if you see the cover of my Chili Chris, because I, I mean, I, I'm obsessed with my cover in a way. I think it like really stands out in a way that if you look at the book, it it just cap- encapsulates the energy and the the feel of Chilipris immediately. So if you see it, hopefully that will help you, like you know, inspire to like spice spice things up in your life or give it to your spicy <laughs> food lovers or yeah, just say hello Did to the book. Yeah, <laughs> just say hello to my baby. Spice things up in your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slurp noodles and then spice things up. Absolutely. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> it's amazing to see those things come to fruition when you've worked for them for so long, but then you have the added layer of bringing your culture to America and then also integrating your own ideas into Korean culture. Yeah. It's such so, so fascinating. Thank right? you. And it's really cool to watch. Yeah, so. Thanks for letting me talk all of this and you know, share those different connections. And I haven't really had a chance to really dive into why I'm writing this cookbook and why Chili Crisp means so much to me. And I'm so happy that I can really share more those connections in depth with you. And thank you for giving me this chance. Oh, you're welcome. I actually have a short game for you if you're interested. Yeah, let's play the game. Let's have some fun. We're talking some heavy things. <laughs> yeah, let's light things up. <laughs> let's it up. All right, so I'm going to name four popular food trends right now, and you're going to tell me if you're for or against smash or pass kind of thing. Smash or pass. Okay, got it. Okay, got it. First, kimchi. Oh, always smash. <laughs> I figured, but I just wanted to say it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope people kind of think beyond of just a regular Napa cabbage kimchi. Like, I feel like kimchi is definitely mm-hmm. something that you think of like just a cabbage kimchi. Everyone can see it, but there are like th- like hundreds, thousands of different kinds of kimchi. Uh, and if you mm-hmm. have an opportunity to go beyond of a typical Napa cabbage kimchi, please go, you know, outside of your comfort zone and like try other types of kimchi. I did. Yeah, I actually interviewed Emily um, Mankai Kim. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. But she taught me the world of kimchi and was telling oh me all yeah. about it. And it was so incredible to be opened up to it like that. Because yeah. I didn't even know totally what it was i had an idea but right. i wasn't completely sure so she was like this is the fermentation of it and this yeah. is what you can do make it less traditional or whatever you want so there mm-hmm. are a lot of ways that you can incorporate it yes okay. number two ube flavored foods oh smash oh my god it's so funny because i just filmed a video for uh ube swirled ice cream and I was like tasting it and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And um, I, okay, I get that a lot of people sometimes hate on ube because of that like purple color and like, oh my God, it's gimmicky, whatever. But it tastes so no, good. I think that makes it pretty. Yeah, I think it just tastes incredible in desserts. And it's so, it, because of that, like the earthy, almost like a vanilla-y taste it goes so well with donuts ice cream 
I think you should definitely check out this recipe that I like made a video on the kitchen. It's like swirl with like a, just a regular, uh, you know, a no churn, like ice cream base. And it's like the streaks of like beautiful purple mix into this white vanilla ice cream. And it tastes so good. And it's funny that you're mentioning about ube because I was like crying and like feeling myself eating like this is the best thing. And now we're here we are talking about ube. <laughs> it's lovely when you're your own creative genius and you make amazing food you're just gonna cry all the time <laughs> uh, and like when I made ube tiramisu I'm like one of that is like one of my proudest recipes because it was just an idea I'm like you know what we make tiramisu can I make it in ube and I had to make that like eight or nine times including like development and like videos and all that and every time yeah. I make it I'm like Good job, James. Like, this is delicious. I'm like, I am so proud that my brain came up with that. And like, it is one of those recipes that I'm like so proud. And I hope more people get into the world of ube thanks to that. That's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes when I listen to this podcast, I'm like, I'm just so talented. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we gotta, like I said, we gotta be our own hype man or we gotta hype ourselves <laughs> up because no one else will believe in us as much as we do. So I'm here for the valid, you know, positive affirmations. Absolutely. I need to do them every single day. (laughs) I actually recently had, I was on a press trip and I had an ube flavored croissant. Oh, and it was. Oh my God. I bet it's delicious. It was flaky and perfect and beautiful color. Yeah. The color always just gets me so excited. (gasps) Yeah, it's beautiful. It looks like a little flower. Like, it reminds me of flowers. It's just yeah, so yeah. Amazing. Agree. All right, number three. You're going to say yes to this. Ramen noodles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, I'm your easy one. Huh? <laughs> I said I'm giving you easy ones. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad because I don't want to get canceled for saying pass on certain things. But, like, honestly, <laughs> if I can be healthy... And, like, just, like, eat ramen three times a day and, like, be normal, I will absolutely (laughs) eat ramen every single day and every three different meals. And there's, like, so many different kinds. And I think ramen is that perfect food for me to eat my, like, happy feeling because I am never, like, if I have, like, a horrible day, I need to eat ramen to make myself feel better. And like, and I'm instantly happy that first slurp of like noodles, whether that's Korean or whatever, there's like too many options for instant noodles too. That I, I wish I could like, you know, live a long time so that I can try as many as I can. Every single one. <laughs> every single one. They're, like I'm discovering new things every single day. And that's why you see all this like ramen displays. And it's like, it just makes me happy. I get that. See, I think my comfort food is probably pasta, which is similar. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I feel that. All right, number four, kombucha. Ooh. I also smash that because it's fizzy. It helps me digest better. And if I digest things better, I can eat more. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. The science. So so I am all for like digestive stuff and I feel like kombucha is one of those. And I regularly drink kombucha so that it can help with my digestive system so that I can eat more of things that make me happy. That's a good point. Yeah. See, I'm not a huge fan of the flavor of it. Um, I think that's my I think there are so many different flavors too. It's very fizzy. So like I like burp a lot if I drink that. So it's like very, I get very burpy, um, but it's, I think. So just don't go outside of your house when you drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like master uh, how to burp quietly or maybe not because <laughs> I think that I like burp very quietly, but my friend is like, I can hear you. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's me, sadly. I'm just I'm just bad. That's person. the name of this episode. Yeah. Slip and burp. <laughs> yeah. All right. My final and last question for you. I ask every single one of my guests if there is one cooking utensil, product, or appliance that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? 
Ooh. Uh, my immediate answer would be air fryer. And if you still have not hopped on that air fryer, what are you doing? It's like 2023. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be like as essential as like having a microwave. And if I didn't write a cookbook about chili curse, I probably would write a cookbook about air fryer because that was the first appliance that really like, oh my God, I never thought that I would feel this happy about using an appliance. <laughs> It's like it's an adult thing. Yeah, it's like wow. Like, am I? Why am I so excited about using an air fryer? And like every single day, it's like I used to have this series of like will an air fry on my Instagram. I'm like, I'll just air fry everything. And there's so many frozen foods out there, especially Korean ones. If you go to like H Mart, there's like loads of incredible frozen food that's like made for air fryer. Uh, whether you are baking, whether you are just you know heating up the leftovers, whether you are just toasting your frozen slice of bread. Uh, it's and it's like a convection oven in a way, you know how oven can be used for so many things, but like yes. air fryer, just like the same thing, but has even more versatile usage. And I one of my mm. favorite things to make in an air fryer is a bass cheesecake, and I almost feel like air fryer should be considered as a bass cheesecake maker. I have a recipe in my chili crisp cookbook that uses a chili crisp and sweet potato bass cheesecake made in air fryer, and I'm like, oh my god! Every time it just comes out perfectly because of that air circulation, and oh my god, I will, I never buy bass cheesecake out there because. You know, my air fryer makes the uh-huh. perfect one. That's amazing. Okay, million dollar idea. Next cookbook, you say chili crisp, but only in an air fryer. Oh, I mean, I have already like 30 go. different ideas that I can throw into that. Two of my favorite things. <laughs> okay, well, if you do it, <laughs> slip my name in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If this all happened thanks to you, Olivia. <laughs> It's just, you know, the talented side of me. Yeah, yeah, you just have a lot of creative ideas that inspire other creators as well. So that's your talent. (laughs) That's my talent. I'm never, I'm not going to create myself. I'm just going to tell I mean, you are creating your own ideas to inspire other creators. So it's kind of like a double creator mindset. That is true. Yep. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, This was an amazing conversation excited for you thank you so much for having me of course i'm excited to see where everything takes off and it'll be a really great few months for you thank you so much it'll look good thank you thank you this was such a fun conversation it really was i know i'm so glad you were one of the first people i haven't spoken to but i love that because now i can have like an organic conversation i didn't know your background Thanks for doing such a great job of like studying my background. I was like surprised that you knew all of this and I could tell that you were very prepared. So I appreciate that and it means a lot. Of course. I'm always prepared. <laughs> I'm never gonna ask questions that people don't want to hear, yeah. you know? Gotta be good at <laughs> all right so you can follow James Park on Instagram at Jamesy World to keep up with his latest recipes. Or you can order Chili Crisp wherever your books are sold. Thank you, Olivia. Keep it spicy. Oh, always. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review. And while you're at it, make sure to follow me at Living for Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livingforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. Until next time, 